HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's November 4th, 2014. Our special show tonight is Lagunitas with uh, Tony from Lagunitas. came in just for, just for our show to talk about his new book, uh, So You Want to Start a Brewery, The Lagunitas Story. We're here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and The Good Beer Seal. And thanks to GreatBrewers.com for sponsoring us. So here we are. We're in uh, Roberta's in Bushwick. Got some special guests. We got... Hey, buddy, Jimmy Ludwig. How are you, man? Hey, man. Back from the happy hour, guys. The it's Jimmy and here. Jimmy Show. Tony Forder from Ale Street News. Always good to be here, Jimmy. Joe Carroll and Spite and Dival. Ciao. Mark Schlugnix from uh, Lagunitas. <laughs> good to see you, Jimmy. And our, we're all here for, for, for you, Tony. Tony McGee, uh, the founder and owner of Lagunitas. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Welcome, yep. man. Yep. Great, so, Great uh, to be here with you, man. This, this book is uh, pretty inspiring. You know, if you have it, it's so you want to start a brewery. That was exactly what I was hoping it wouldn't be. <laughs> well, it's inspired for guys like me and Joe because we all it, half of it's about starting a business. That's just, yeah, and we're all gluttons for punishment. So, it was, is it, it is the is the key phrase intestinal fortitude? Is the fact that you just had to, to grab and go at certain points? I mean, yeah, what was it like getting it all going? What was it like? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the first days, the, uh, the, the, the reason for starting the brewery, in the, in the, you know, the first moment was it was more of a seizure than it was a plan or uh, the <laughs> fulfillment of a dream. You know, I, I wrote in there, it's like, you know, the, it was really a homebrew kit in December of 92, brewed it in January, drank it in February, had the brewery open by December. Wow. And that was my first homebrew experience was that. Wow. So, but, but there's something about beer that's so perfectly uh, magical and, uh, and musical. Uh-huh. The background in music, I, there's a lot of things about beer that made perfectly good sense to me from the get-go. So you just leapt. You just yeah, did it. That's right. That's How big right. was that first brewery, Tony? Uh, the first brewery was all of uh, 750. Well, it was, the, the initial part of the license was actually on my deck at my house. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the county was going to let it happen, but the, the ABC in California wasn't going to let that happen, so they had to get a building. But the first building then was 750 square feet, and 
the uh, wow. kettle with seven barrels. And it was electric, too. It was electric. <laughs> brew, electric brew house. And, and, and when I first put it in, it was, I, I, I didn't know anything about grounding anything. So I, I so, didn't ground it. And we turned it on, and it burned, it burned out the street lights in front of the building. <laughs> and I'm just glad I wasn't standing within arc distance. That's like know? worse than when Clapton went electric. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. That's a true story. The lights out in front blinked on and off on the street for a couple of times <laughs> before the contactors on the brew house stopped slamming back and forth. Oh, my God. Finally popped a breaker. Wow. Wow. Anyway, I mean, I, when, yeah. when, I, when I read the book, it sounded like it, you, know, you, you live your life. You, know, you start a business. You're, you're learning as you go. Sometimes that's the best way to do it. Looks, looks what, yeah. That's what you did. Yeah. Jump in the deep end. Yeah. You jump in the shallow end. You'll stand there. You know, get wet and jump in the deep end. You, you swim. But <laughs> so when I was reading, I got, I got kind of scared for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, you know. It's, it, 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 I'm glad I, I didn't know then what I know now. You know, <laughs> have you been contacted about the movie rights yet? Are they going to make it a? Uh, yeah, yeah. And Brad Pitt's playing me. Actually, <laughs> they thought it was a good, you know, so. an action adventure. Yeah, that's right. Right on. So that's a great book. So you so you want to start a brewery? So there's a couple stories in there. Yep. And if it well, first let's jump ahead to New York City because Joe Carroll's here. So. How did you ever come into the New York City market? You know, with all the ad, you know things you had to go through just to make beer and distribute in your own area. Yeah, well, uh, you, you know, there was just a thought about uh, whether or not what uh, what what we could do locally uh, had would travel at all, and we we didn't know and didn't really want to test it because we weren't even sure our beer would. Would uh, would would make the trip, you know, without without things happening, and and then out of the blue, I get a call from a distributor in New York, and it's typical New Yorker. He would not let me off the phone. He wanted to tell me what was available <laughs> here that I just had not obviously comprehended in the least, and 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 you got, we got to get you out here. We're going to show you around the town. We're going to show you where it is. You're going to sell your beer. We're going to be able to find, put it in here. We'll put it in here. We'll put it here. You'd be surprised. People here are going to love your beer. We know all about it. And I was like. But, that was Mandy uh, Calderon. Yeah, that's, that was Mandy. That was exactly Mandy. Exactly. And, and, and he was very, very persistent. And I was like, Ron, buy a plane ticket. And Ron, Ron Linderbush, you know, uh, the beer weasel. The beer been, weasel. Yeah. He's been, and he, Ron's been with me since like this probably 18 months, maybe 24 months into the brewery. And uh, uh, he, he came out here and, and he, he went and saw a bunch of accounts and talked to people and met up with Joe. And Joe was like, hey, you might want to look at this from another perspective. And so, so we, but that was, you know, not that, not that there's anything wrong with Manny, but there's, there was just a lot more to know. And, and, and Joe, you helped lead us, uh, lead us into the world yeah, here. I mean, I think I, I tried to give Ron a, a, a good picture of what was going on in New York at the time. And look, at that point in New York City and uh, New York State and most of the East Coast, the, we didn't have a lot of great domestic beer here. We really didn't. It's hard to think that today when we have like an embarrassment of riches with, with beers. But at that point, there really wasn't a lot of great domestic stuff available here, certainly from not a lot from the West Coast. And you guys were on a very short list of beers that really needed to be here. Mm. And, you know, I, I have always that's, had this feeling. That's really that, something to hear someone say. That. Yeah, no question. <laughs> well, I've, always, I've always had this feeling, you know, I know I'm a little, um, you know, New York-centric growing up here and living here, but I feel like anybody producing anything serious and, and of high quality needs to be selling it in two places, their home market and in New York City. Mm. You're probably right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, because um, if it, it can make it there. You know what? That's good. Can I, can I steal that? Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, making it a song. That's really know, good. Halfway there. Well, Tony, for Tony, you, you, you read the book and you've reviewed it before. I read the book. I remember when... You can't like, read the review because I know it's no, 20 it's, minutes. It's too long. I might quote from it, but 
I'll be just quoting Tony, really. So, but I remember I was out west when like these kind of got my radar, and it was like I, I think I might have been up in Portland somewhere. And these guys had this beer, like the the hairy eyeball and the eye of the hairball, and like <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a, the effect of the local agriculture. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, right. I mean, you know, there was there was, there was the eye of the hairball, and then we were there, originally that beer was going to be called um, Hair of the Dog, and because we were just we we're having, you know, Ron had been with Mendocino Brewing for a long time, and their Eye of the Hawk was an iconic mm. uh, beer, and we thought, well, well, we got a dog, and it's got an eye, and so, and, and then, then all of a sudden, it just occurred to us that there's no reason why they would think that's as funny as we thought it was, and so we decided not to do that, and then it's like I had to come up with a name really quick, and a friend of mine was in a band called Harry Eyeball, and so we named it that. It's like, a, you know, was, so we saw it as a January hangover cure, but then, so then now February seasonal, and it was like, well, I have the hairball, uh, I have the hairball. Okay, there we go and, and the next next beer was going to be hair of the dog ball and my wife said no, no that, can't do that. It, it didn't that was the end of the ball oh, please god no please yeah that was the end that's where that came to an end right? <laughs> we'll talk about lagunitas so mark mark you're one of the reps for lagunitas out here uh what was the first beer that we had uh the first beer that we had was uh our ipa which is our flagship beer it's uh, mm-hmm. the, the bread and butter for us We're making it since uh 95 i believe that's right first that's is right. first is a so seasonal in, in the book it talks about so back then you said there was sierra nevada paleo right right and then you're the guys that were, were the revolutionaries and you made an ipa oh you know it, it, it wasn't so much a vision of revolution i you know we, we were just looking for a place to stand you know and it was really as simple as that uh, you know, we made a pale ale, and Sierra Nevada's pale ale was that was the and that, that was the popular beer. It was extraordinary. It still it still is today. But then, even when the market was much tinier, they were much a bigger part of it. And mm-hmm. um, so they were they they defined uh, uh, what what a, what a hoppy beer might be. And and we we, we made a pale ale. Uh, I could t- just tell you the story. Of how it, I mean, it's a, in a nutshell, it's it, uh, we we made a pale ale because I knew that some people would probably be willing to try it, and so we could at least get ourselves started and figure out then to find a place to stand based on that just experimentation and so we weren't making an ipa yet we were doing some other different things trying a wheat beer and different and and, and there's this bar in sausalito that uh, got upset with uh, sierra nevada's distributor and took it off tap as a way to punish the distributor is how they always you know get the take take it out of the brewery and uh and so they put our pale ale in as a way to stick their finger in the distributor's eye and all of a sudden bam i go from doing like one keg a week that i might do in any bar in that area to doing five and i just huh. and I, I went to that bar I was like what the heck's going on here and i realized that people were just sitting down and ordering a pale ale because people weren't so educated yet they just knew pale ale i liked pale ale and they assumed that was even the name of the brewery and so they they ordered <laughs> no a number of people that think still back home that, that are, oh you guys are our IPA you know it it it, it, it works that way <laughs> and, and that's that actually the great blessing in the whole thing is that I realized that Sierra Nevada brewed um, pale ale as a brand which is right. powerful and it, it means something and yeah. then it meant I could only ever hope to brew it as a style and so I wanted to, I wanted my own voice and and I didn't want any more of that kind of success so I thought well okay I'll always sell up so we would. We said make an IPA, and at the time there was Bridgeport on the West Coast. Other brewers made IPAs, but nobody as their as what they led with. You know, there was most brewers loved ambers and wheats and different sorts of kind of things in that space. And so, so we kind of got an early start on it. And I really very quickly realized that I thought that IPA was the future of what was going to be happening in craft. You could just see it as as clear as day. And so I was like, okay, you know, off we go. And we've just been working that vein and trying to really get good at it. And the thing is, is that, you know, uh, the, the way these beers are made, uh, no, no other breweries in the world make beers the way American craft brewers make beer. We're in reinventing 
ways of making beers that, you know, there's only four ingredients, but there's still new ways to do it. And, and now the Europeans are coming back to the Americans. And that's something I know. That's not, so this is that's evidence that we've actually remade it. Yeah. You know, the, our hop dealer uh, up in Yakima, one of them was ta- was talking that they shipped a half a, two years ago they shipped half a million pounds of Simcoe. This year they were shipping uh, that last harvest year they were shipping a million pounds of Simcoe Whoa. to the UK. Wow. And, and Simcoe is like an AR-15. You only buy it for one reason, you know. Uh-huh. And so that means that these breweries in the UK, all of them, they're making double IPAs. I was in London for about six weeks last summer, and you uh, see it there, they yeah. have the, the, the craft beer scene there is blown up. Just exactly. within uh, the M25, that little that uh, beltway that goes around London. Within there, I think there's 40 breweries in the last two years or something like that. Yeah. Massive. The, the whole thing is going global. I mean, there's just small breweries popping up everywhere. Oh, yeah. we, and so another way to look at this is that the entire global beer industry is gradually being handed over to another generation of, of brewers. And, and it's inexorable now. And, and it's like one of those little Chinese puzzles that the tighter the bigger guys pull, you know, the, the more Blue Moon and more Shock Top they make, what it does is it pulls Budweiser and, and, and Coors drinkers away and says, experiment. And with the number of beers there are in the world, it could be a lifetime before they ever come back to drink what it was they started before the first lap. So how can they how can they that's grow a, that's a great growing that's up a great story. I like that. That's the oh, fast great way of putting it. Great that, way. That's the way it's working. I mean, but you know, you, you, um uh, another another way to think about it, though is that you know these brands have been around for 150 years and this isn't the 1200s anymore. You know, this with social media things move much more quickly and more, more are better lubricated. Brands that get big don't necessarily control the market anymore just because they're big. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the Bud Millers and Coors's and Heineken's and all the rest of these guys, I mean, they're, these are fabulous. They're enormous companies. I mean, people, they make a difference in the world. In the same way as the glaciers in Alaska, you know, they, they're still tearing mountains up and they're still creating <laughs> ecosystems. But drop by drop, they're going away yeah. inexorably yeah. and forever when they do. Hmm. Love that. Tony, going way back, the 90s in, in Marin, California. What are some of the, the breweries and brew pubs that the small guys that inspired you or that you learned from? Oh, Marin Brewing Company, kind of at the center of uh, my early beer experiences. You know, um, uh, Grant Johnston was the brewer there. He brews a little brewery outside Chicago now. Um, uh, and uh, we drank there and just, just it was a place to sort of st- study the idea of beer. But this is before the idea of ever brewing at home when, at would all, this, you know? when would this have been? Ninety one, ninety two, ninety one, yeah, 90-91, yeah. Okay. And and then uh, finally, once we got up and going, the biggest impact was uh, Calistoga Brewing and a guy that just retired a couple days ago, Randy Gremp, uh, and and he really his brewing styles just were central. But the thing is, you know, to, to, to what became my thinking. But he was in a seven barrel brew house, you know, in, you know, in a real tiny little, the smallest brew pub you've ever seen in Calistoga, Calistoga, huh. uh, California. Wow. So. So also in your book, the So You Want to Start a Brewery, because I like this book. It's good. It's a little Hunter S. Thompson-esque in the beginning. Is that you got your wacky. Who's your wacky fake brewer buddy in the beginning? This says faux word. Oh. It says, <laughs> I, invent, name and is I invented that Email B. Kerputsch. Chin nick luck luck Yeah, yeah. nick param Were those from the old onion ads that were running? No, he was a radical Eastern European brewer and the... They spent his life in prison, died penniless. And, yeah, but, <laughs> nice. Uh, well, but when, really, when I start, when I read the full like word, <laughs> it's kind of like the way your your labels read. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a little wacky. I don't think I'm going to get through it. But once I actually got into the book, it, it's a great story of you starting up as a small businessman, and that's another reason why we wanted Joe Carroll here. But going way back, so so Calistoga Brewing. Yes. You mentioned when you were starting up, it, it was different then than now, right? I mean, now no, every home brewer is making perfect beer, and half of them are ready to be pros. Right. Yeah. But but you said you, the thing you learned about was yeast 
tell us that story because you said you're one day you, you found the right yeast and then you, your beer tasted good. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, 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 I got into it so fast there was no vocabulary of flavors that I developed. You know, I had kind of a one-trick pony. I'd been using this one yeast and I knew these certain hops and I had the certain malts. I got, and so I would try as, as best I could to find flavor. And it turned out this alt beer yeast I was using, like really its whole thing was to make a beer taste like nothing. <laughs> and, and, and so, but by the time I piled all these different kinds of malts in there and different kinds of hops, and and they were all just they go to zero uh, in terms of flavor. Huh. We changed to this this yeast and this particular you know fo- f- uh, derived from Fuller's. Uh, their strain um, just exploded with with malt character that just illuminated all these flavors that I'd buried in there. And so the, 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 it was almost it was very much an accident. It wasn't. But it conscious. was like it was like a magic key. It was like a catalyst or yeah, something. Exa- that you flipped yeah, on. exactly right. Yeah. Huh. So options back then for yeast were much limited compared to what it is today, too. People, forget, oh, yeah. especially home brewing. Yeah. I mean, it was basically dry Fleischmann's yeast. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we were a little bit later than that. I mean, mo- I had the whole Y yeast catalog was available to gotcha, us, right. you know, and there's the Siebel catalog, but it was uncharacterized most of it. But, but yeah, it was just Y yeast. It's the same little, you know, gold packages you went to right. the homebrew shop to buy in. Was it was it just a matter of, of at a certain point, especially in the early days, of I just have to get up and go to work today, or was there were like was it like crisis moments? I mean, w- what was it? Was it like chop wood, carry water, or was it, oh my god, I have to deal with fighting fires? Um, it was, a, you know, true. chop wood, carry water. Yeah. It's no. zen. It's zen. What are you from Michigan, it's dude? A zen thing. You from Michigan? <laughs> I always chop the water first, and that's why I had all the trouble. Was it? No, I, we just. Uh, uh, I, I mean, for me, it was. Uh, the, once the thing started, it was like a fall down the stairs. You know, huh. there was very little order to it. You, you reacted to what happened next right. and tried to understand the larger picture of: Am I going to end up on the landing, or am I going to go over the railing all the way to the street? <laughs> uh, you know, so you know, how, do I have to start rolling to the right so when I hit the landing, I continue on down? So there, it was there was there was no control, but it so, was very much a, a being like shot out of a kind of like directed chaos. Yeah, like yeah. very much so. But you, but you made it all right. Yep. Hey, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right. Good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. 
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick. Check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member, and it's painless, and it's something good for the holidays that are coming up. And uh, there's some cool stuff going on here, including cheese shows and farm shows and chef shows. But I want to give a shout-out our, our lead engineer and whatever, super producer, Jack Inslee. He just made Woo-hoo! the coolest commercial, man. He just had this like cool riff on the greatbrewers.com uh, ad that he was doing. So, Jack, thank you, man. That was that was good listening. That's good so, stuff. And that brings us back. We got, we got Tony McGee here. So you you were a composer and musician dude at some point, right? Yeah. Because there's good music with Jack here. Jack Jack spinning good tunes and yeah, yeah, trying to mix in good. music to the ads and you yeah, know it it's good, good listening on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> yeah. So we we were talking about you know things like you know business and your book. Uh, so you want to start a brewery? The Lagunist Story by Tony McGee. But let's talk about what's in front of us. So uh, Mark uh, just poured the little something something. A little something, something. So, what yeah. is that beer, Tony? How, I mean, you started with you know the pale ale, then you, you hit it with the IPA, and but what is what is this? You know, we 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 tried years ago to to make a, 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 a like an imperial wheat ale. You know, sort of like like a barley wine, only wheat wheat strength, using wheat as ingredient, and and we want, we wanted our barley wine was pretty highly hopped, and and we wanted to do the same thing with the wheat, but it did just didn't work. It was, it was beer was terrible, and we really we could never quite figure out why. Eventually, we just realized it was that the the, the varieties of hops, the, the the wheat didn't provide enough backbone to really fight with the uh, the little more astringent nature uh, of those old school hops. But these new school hops are completely transparent uh, in terms of this acidic kind of acrid bitterness as compared to the old ones, and huh. so now they, we can pair them with wheat, and it really produces some beautiful results. Now, when you, know? you say new school hops, can you give us a couple examples? Oh, uh, you know, Citra, uh, Mosaic, Mosaic uh, you yeah. know, Amarillo, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. the, that, that whole sort of school of, of hops that had the essence of what everybody loves so much about Cascade, but but not some of those other more, you know, kind of astringent hop flavors. I mean, their astringency isn't bad. It's just not good with wheat. In this particular know? moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So these new ones just allow us to do things that you just couldn't have made before. <laughs> Four ingredients, yet there's still like this whole, all this open field running for flavor. Wow. So, so, but, so we, but we didn't call it a wheat IPA, and I don't think that's. I, I mean, to me, I hear people. Call, I don't have no idea what a wheat IPA is. It, you know, I mean, there's every kind of IPA out there now. Yeah, yeah, every, exactly. It's like by putting IPA on it, it's like it means people have a handle to pick it up by. But I think it kind of does the notion of an IPA a disservice. So, so you, Tony, you're like you feel like you've been able to take risks and chances with your beers because it seems like now a lot of the breweries opening, they're coming in with financing, they're yeah. coming out with like a you know a perfect. Porter, a perfect IPA. Yeah, but is you started differently, didn't you? Yeah, well, you know, we started in the time we started it. Uh, you know, resources were were differently allocated than they are now. You know, but there's no old saying that by the time something's a good idea, it's probably too late. And I don't know if that's true in craft brewing or if it's not. I don't wish anybody you know anything but good fortune. But some things are, it take you know. Um, this is going to sound really heretical, you know, but the nature of the story of a brewery is very engaging to people to humans in general well it's always a great story the story is the story is how tribes are built right and so we're not in the beer business i don't think i think really in the tribe building business so we need and then then it's very important that if people are interested in experiencing your tribe that when they get there the beer is lovely and delivers something they wouldn't have expected all right i'm gonna riff on that for a second if if it's a tribe then there's a got to be a rite of passage or a series of rites of passage so can you can you detail a couple of those with lagunitas for us well one jimmy good one well well one of them is you just pronounced lagunitas right (laughs) 
<laughs> really, think about that for a moment, you know? Because when, when we first began, you know, it's like I knew, I lived in the town of Lagunitas, and I knew that most people in the towns around us didn't pronounce Lagunitas. Lagunitas. They, it was Lagunitas and Lagunitas and all sorts of things. Wait, you know, there's a town Lagunitas. called Lagunitas? Yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah. What's well, I thought it was Petaluma. Well, that's where the brewery is now, but where it started was this little town of Lagunitas. That was Lagunitas. my deck, actually. So, so tell us what happened. So you were in Lagunitas. Yes. And you got kicked out? Well, and I was in Lagunitas in my house. Thinking I was going to do it on my deck, the ABC said, "Are you from Mars?" You know, <laughs> and so I, I had to move to the little town of Forest Knolls. Right? What next are you to new? Us. <laughs> You're new. I just got here. Yeah, and so we we're in this little town of Forest Knolls, and I found this little 750 square foot building. It was great, and uh, we were on a septic system, as everything is out there in that rural part of the t- world. And the, the owner of the building put in this brand new septic system for us, and it turned out that it was like not engineered for a brewery, even though. It had always been in the plan, and so by the time we got up and going, the septic company was like, oh, we're never going to let you put that stuff in. Are you kidding me? You know, And I'm like, oh, my God. And the county goes, you have 90 days to move. Oh, my God. And so I just thought about, you know, I went around, talked to a couple towns around us to find out who would give me permits yeah. quickly so I'd have continuity of business, you know, and, and the town of Petaluma was willing. And so. Ooh, very so, nice. Good one, Mark. Yeah. Very nice. So that became home. 90 days. That's almost generous. It was very generous. <laughs> <laughs> I really. When I he once said, said thirty days to fix something from the fire department, but <laughs> yeah. that was generous. I thought, yeah. wow, yeah, no, ninety days. I mean, we're a business, you know. And there, were, at that point, there were three people working for me, and so everybody was a little cognizant that that there were lives involved, and that business was different from you know permit violations and stuff. So wow, so you've had a series of rites of passage, I, oh, yeah, and there's yeah. another one, and I think we're probably going to. Is that your it. theme, Jimmy? Yeah, I, I think it's a good one, right? I like it. It's it good. Is. Tribal. Let's go with tribal. You know, idioms. Um, well, you know, just things like telling the story of uh, of brown sugar. I mean, when when people know that story, it, it's tell a, us. It's I, a, I need to rehear <clears throat> it. I know it, but I want to hear it again. I don't know it. Pe- brewing Petaluma was growing, growing rapidly. Chicago wasn't even in the picture yet, and all of a sudden, after one summer, it was about it was June, July, and I just realized that the current rate we were brewing, there's no way we were going to be able to make brown sugar because brown sugar, uh, the, instead of getting eight brews a day, the brew house gets four. Maybe it means every brute is twice as expensive in terms of time. Uh, it sits in the fermenter instead of two weeks for nearly a month, <laughs> and and so I just realized there's just no way that we were going to be able to make that beer without shorting the whole world of IPA, which or, or shorting all the pilsner handles, or shorting all the other things that we depended on for, that we made for a living. And so there, it's like you know, just uh, uh, people are going to be upset. I mean, and this one of those things is a very this is the tribe expects you know the chief and and but Tony, and how did you make expect things? To how be did you deliver, with brown you know? sugar? In the first place, oh, well, keep telling the stories backwards, but that's good. <laughs> brown sugar was another early screw up, you know, and and the story of how brown sugar comes to be. You know, I wrote the recipe wrong. I didn't write. I wrote two hundred fifty pounds of, of pale malt. I probably should have written four hundred fifty. And so the brewers did. They called me on a Friday night at like seven thirty at home and said, "Yeah, you know, we're just not getting the gravity." But don't worry, Tony. It's cool. We're going to boil it down. I'm like, "What's the gravity? It's about half of what brown sugar or what uh, the gnarly wine needed to be." And uh, you're going to be. So you're going to be there all night. To try to reduce this and noodles, what's going to taste like by the time you finish boiling a beer for five hours, six hours? <laughs> and so I said, I'll call you right back. I hung up and I was like, okay. I just said, um, you know, and I thought for a moment, I was like, okay, I called him back. I said, okay, go to Albertsons and go to Safeway and go to the grocery stores all in town and buy all the brown sugar, those little one pound boxes you can find. And they went out and they bought all the brown sugar they could find. It was like 200 boxes and they came back and I put them all into the kettle. We got the gravity up to a place where it made sense against the hopping that was already in there and uh, came in Monday morning and there were like 200 brown sugar, CNH brown <laughs> sugar boxes all over the floor. <laughs> so, so, but see, knowing that story and telling that and then why we don't make it, you know, is another story and then and so we decided, you know, people would say we sucked. And so it was like, 
You know, now, now we're screwed. It wasn't all your fault that you couldn't make it. Didn't you have a brew, a brew house coming that was like a little on the ocean waves that uh, got... Oh, well, Chicago had been up sooner, but in the end, that was that was part of... That was like an... The, the int- ship that got like... Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the ocean. That, that was the, the Louderton that got... The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Is, I think it's the only time a German-built Louderton has ever been destroyed by a Czechoslovakian-built crane <laughs> in the Atlantic during a hurricane. Now, the, the, way, that Tony, the way that Tony <laughs> just the spoke... The only time it's ever... Is, is, is how part of his book reads just so you know and he keeps going I, I and I do re, do not digress I do not digress yeah. but keep going with this brown sugar sir. so then how did you go from brown sugar to sucks yeah well so we couldn't make the brown sugar and, and the brew the Chicago brewery was because right now Jimmy's later. number 43 we have the sucks yeah. on draft I drank it last oh, night we were talking about that's, this yeah, got a numb a spot in your numb forehead, spot yeah. in my brain yeah, that's, that's, that's one, it's, it's I had the, at least 10 of them I'm it's sure on, it's on the label warning it says right there you know may cause you know don't drink 10 that's right but uh, uh, yes, yeah, so so, so we, we we couldn't make the the brown sugar uh, the brown sugar beer, and so we uh, so I realized people would say we we sucked, and but I've been driving in for years behind a car, uh, driving in out of West Marin, this rural area. So there's only a handful of cars you'd ever be behind, and it had a Primus sucks bumper sticker on it. <laughs> I always thought that was the ballsiest thing I'd ever seen, you know? and I always wanted to do it, but I was afraid it would stick, and people would say Lagunita sucks, and it start it would become real, and I was like, oh, okay. So when, when I hung on to that for ten years until finally we I realized that people would say we suck, and it's like in a, in, a, in a bright light goes off, and you're like, this is it, we get to do it, you know. So. Wow, that's... the Lagunitas sucks. And, and I used to sit home on Sundays, googling Lagunitas. This is like consumer research, you know, trying to see what people are saying in blogs and what they're saying in ratings, just trying to understand what people think and what, what about what we've said and what we do. And, and I would just Google like, you know, Tony McGee asshole, you know, Lagunitas sucks, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and, 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 and I and I you know I get to like Lagunitas sucks, and there'd never be anything, and I'd be like, okay, good, good. You know? Tony, I thought you no. were impervious to criticism. <laughs> no, no, it goes no. Right to the but bone. wait, wait, stop. But Tony, okay, so well, I wanted to know, but you know, how the beer, so the, the beer was brown sugar. So how did you make Lagunitas Sucks brown sugar substitute? What did you do differently? Uh, well, the, Lagunitas Sucks is a beer that we can just frickin' brew. I mean, it, it, you know, we can still do eight batches a day. You know, we, it still ferments in, in the, the, the 16 days of the normal beer. And so it, it just became like any other beer for us, mm-hmm. rather than being this whale, you know, that we were going to have That's to That's going to slow you down like crazy. Right, yeah. right. So, and so, you know, it was still a tense time, but we... we, we well, so what's different, though? Because it's, it's, it's still good, it's strong. Yeah. Well, it's a completely different beer. I mean, it's not even, you know, not even, not even vaguely related. What it's would all, you call it? What kind of beer would it? What would you say it is? It sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's about all I know for sure. All right, and that's yeah. how that is. See, I could call Joe it double tri- IPA, or I could call it triple IPA, but it's like at some point, doesn't all that just become hey, just uh, silly? It's like it's it's like it sucks. Yeah, so. that's the most information we got about it. <laughs> Joe, how would you, have you had the the brown sugar? Of course, and you had the sucks. Absolutely, yeah. So, how would you describe the difference I mean, between the night two? and day? I mean, the brown sugar is a beer unto itself though i must say i mean there were there were very few beers nobody would do that no 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 very few beers like <laughs> there's no reason to. Uh, my favorite lagunita story and I, i'm not sure if it's ready for prime time is the is the shutdown ale oh yeah. Okay. yeah oh yeah All i right. want to can we please hear now that is i'm going back to my theme here that's a rite of passage right yes. that was a big deal for you guys so oh can yeah you tell that story what what was all that about Okay, in, in, in a nutshell. Okay, and I'll make it fast. Uh, so for we've been open for 12, 13 years in business. You know, we, in Petaluma, we, things are booming, and we're a factory. Yeah, the city of Petaluma would not let us have a tap room, and so we were a factory. We might as well be making screw machines. You know, and we didn't have like, no a, tap room. No, no. 
That's crazy in California. Well, there's the city didn't want it to make. They were stupid. They're they're, but they they didn't. By want the way, it. I'll say Lagunitas has the best tap room of any. Now we any do. Yeah, oh, yeah. I so no have to get out there. Like, the the best hang for for a brewery you can <laughs> imagine. Well, That's, yeah. And, and, let's hear. Let's go back to old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you went from a factory to a tap room? So so, yep. so we so we were, we were a factory. So we just did, we lived our lives like we were working in a factory and people smoke pot. You know, I mean, like being in Sonoma County and not and not like acknowledging that it's present is be like be like. And now we're in Chicago, be like telling people not to eat corn. Yeah, it wouldn't work, and it sounds stupid, and nobody would listen to you. I just so. spent the, the summer in Colorado; was the best summer of my life. <laughs> what you remember? <laughs> Freaking yeah. awesome, man! Yeah. <laughs> that Rocky Mountain, huh? yeah, man. So, so your so, show, guys. So we were just doing all that, <laughs> and then then one day uh, we accidentally mixed mixed the, the potions, and so, uh, I decided, well, it's just opening up for an open house. Let's start testing the water, and so we would just have an open house we invite industry people mostly and 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 on thursday nights and it became a thing eventually the abc decided they wanted to come in and see it and then they came in for eight separate nights uh doing this an undercover thing and we didn't we didn't know they were doing it but after the same agents that did the bust when they brought out the badges at our saint patrick's day party we well the bartenders right away recognized them as people they had cut off every week (laughs) (laughs) drinking drinking the cheap beer listening to the free music eating the cheap food and having a having a hell of a time those were the agents yeah and, and and they said, well, we were trying to get overserved, you know? It was wow, like, come on. I know, it's hysterical. And, and, and so, and, but they were also trying hard to buy pot from employees, which, you know, it's like they should be ashamed of themselves. Okay, so they're cops, which means they're, you know, that maybe they got a job to do that's not so comfortable. But they, so they did. And so, and, and, but the great thing was, so, I'm, the, so the, they the, shut you down, right? So, well, the bust happened. But it's uh, entrapment. So, right. so, 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 you know, some people pulled out a joint that was literally 10 inches long and about an inch and a half around. And, and it was just fun. They stood in the So big, it was a small circle. one, is what you're saying. It was, it was normal. It was yes, normal. It was normal. Okay. So they're saying, and then they're, and, they're, and they're standing in a circle, and they light up, and right away, Akma, all the badges, they shut down the party. I'm out of town, so I have plausible deniability. I come back the next morning, and I'm like, and I understand you were trying, I call the lady on the phone, I understand you were trying to get my employees to do something illegal. You wanted to get them to sell you pot. And she goes, well, yeah. I said, did anyone sell you pot? And she says, well, no, nobody would, but they're all willing to give it to us for free. And I was like, those are my people, man. They're raised right. It's better to give than receive. And <laughs> she didn't That's think in the book. Nearly as funny as that. So you want to start a brewery? What's it called? The St. Patrick's Day Massacre. That was the St. Patrick's Day Massacre. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> hey, we're going to take one more break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. So we're here having the Lagunitas Show, 
Tony McGee's book, So You Want to Start a Brewery. The Great, book. Story. Great book. Great Jimmy. book, man. Jimmy and Jimmy. Yep. But Joe Carroll, our buddy, Spite and Dival and Fed us out. Joe, you, you, we're breaking the Lagunitas. We've been drinking Lagunitas all, all day. We had the, the little something, something. It's been great, the IPA. But, Joe, what, what beer is this? Because this is Well, I didn't want to show up empty-handed. This is, um, it just got released, the Schneider Aventinas Cuvée Barrique 2013. I, honestly, I don't know too much about how it's made. I know it's aged in barrels for a decent amount of time. It's, I just tasted it. I think it's made in heaven. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big wheat beer fan. Um, granted, you know, the Aventinas is not the average wheat beer by any means. But um, what I like about it is it doesn't taste German at all. Not that I don't love German beers, but I, I, I like every now and then drinking a German beer okay. that is out of, out wait, wait, of the this norm. Is the, this is the favorite part. This is when the brewer gets, mm. gets to talk about other people's beers. Let's Tony right. talk about this yeah. beer. What do you think, Tony? Oh, it's lovely. It's quite lovely. I mean, you can taste the barrel aging in it. It doesn't taste, it's not planky. So it's you know the, the it's settled down. It's really nice like that. that and Joe, why did you bring this beer? Because you, you have it just like got released and I hadn't had it and I didn't want a chance to drink it. Because yeah. you had, let's it's talk about Spite and Dive. So as Spite and Dive owner and your other other restaurants and things, you probably do get access to some of the best beers in the world. What a great bar, man! Yeah. Spite and Dive is just one of the and best. Influence a lot of people. That. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, look, I sort of got into. I don't have any background in this business at all. I got I was in the music industry working on the business side mm-hmm. of stuff and in college right around the same time Tony was doing his first batch of beer I was also getting into um craft beer and doing my first batch of of home brews as well in in, in my dorm room in NYU and uh, <laughs> That's right. and first brewery yeah right. the village never had it so good but never never truly thought I would be involved on the business end of it in any way. I was so music focused at the time. And when I did get in- involved opening up Spite and Dival, I had already some connections in the business, most importantly with Dan Shelton from Shelton Brothers. And those those connections, those friendships I made prior to being in the business really helped me kind of set myself aside when I did decide to open up a place because we opened up in 2003 with beers that nobody saw in New York City. I mean, granted, it wasn't really legal, but... I, I remember yeah. being in your place and you, you're saying, yeah, we love your beer, and you're our Budweiser. I took a very that perverse... tells you about Joe's place. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let's jump it over. It's true. But, well, but that, you know, what, so what that, what that is, is that's what, what I meant by that is Lagunitas IPA is our go-to beer for people when they come in and they're just baffled by... The, the beer list there and um it, it's to me it's it's about as classic of a west coast ipa as you could ever you know create mm. it, it's just the the you know the the perfect version that you could pull out of california and bring to new york and we go through a bunch of i mean a few cases a week of it and we have you know there's over 100 beers on our bottles on our, on our board and we're going through a few cases of that a week and uh, it really is our, our, our go-to, you know, without a question. You know what? If I go back That's to my great Hurricane pride. Sandy analogy that Thank you. For, for years I was just drinking beer in my place and places like Spite and Dival and Good Beer Steel Bars. Suddenly Hurricane Sandy, I can have to go to like a package store or a grocery store. I'm, I'm always happy to get Lagunitas IPA. So yep. I it's bet everybody else in the room is too. No Absolutely. But Tony, what about Czech Pills? So, so the other thing is you, you, were, you bucked the trend. You were making pale ale. You, you, you made your signature IPA. But you guys also, from the beginning, were making the Czech Pills. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, well I, I wanted to 
put another leg on it. Talking about the, the, the yeah. Budweiser for Spine right. Dival. <clears throat> I wanted to make an IPA analog of, of, a, of a Czech-style pills. And in this Czech-style, it's got Zots, and we use a, a yeast strain that's attributed to, uh, to pills into Urkel, you know. But uh, it's, it's not really Czech except for those ingredients uh, pointing in that direction. But we did that all along to make ourselves better brewers. And figured that if we could finally get the pills to a place where it tasted good and was reliable, that that was that we, it would improve all of our ale brewing. You know, because ales are lagers on steroids. Mm. You know, when it comes to time and temperature and everything else. So you're saying you think that it's easier to make an ale and it's harder to make a lager or a pilsner? Far, far harder. Yeah, I mean, they're you know, finicky. Like, like making a lager is like a, making a light French soup or something. You know, a tiny bit too much salt or pepper, yeah. and you're done. Yeah. It's yeah. over with. Throw There's it away. It's no not, room to hide your mistakes. Yeah. No. But an IPA is like a chili. You, you put more Tabasco in there. You know? <laughs> put another bottle of ketchup in it. You know? Let's let's get the streets. You know, on the streets, we got Mark Slugic. Yeah. Okay. In your book, I, I want to say this on there now. So you talked about in the beginning. You know, where you drove in Marin, Tony. There was there was Dogtown. There was Bugtown. And with in honor of Mark Slugic, there's Slugic Town. <laughs> there is. I bet. The, I bet you had a beer like that in the old days, we, right? We 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 did, but it was. Less pronounceable than <laughs> so we, so, Mark on the streets though. So the, the, the core stuff. There's there's IPA, Maximus IPA. You know the Czech Pills. What what what's, what are the bigger sellers? I mean, for us, uh, you know, hands down by far and away, it's our IPA. And uh, you know, things have really kind of taken off for us over the last few years. When when I first started selling beer in New York City. It was pretty much the same thing. No one knew about us or knew where we were from or how to pronounce the name. Heard all the mispronunciations. Laquintus. Laquintus. Laguinitas. I think I heard that on Star Trek. The Laguinitas sounds like a disease for women. I didn't spread it, though. No, you just put a cream on it. That was a Star Trek episode, I think. But, you know, thanks to guys like Joe and you, Jimmy, for... You know, the reason I first met you guys is you and your buddy Trevor... Uh, Tony, you've always had this commitment to the arts, and I want to bring this up, because yeah. in the beginning, like Trevor Jankowski, right? Trevor yeah. would come and say, hey, if you're doing an arts event, and, and he met all the artists and theater people. They said, oh, we know Trevor from Lagunitas. If, yeah. if you're doing an arts event, Lagunitas will give you beer. Well, always, well you know, I mean, you want to be in a place where people are pursuing their dreams, and, then, and, and, pursue, and help them pursue them. And now you all want the same things together. It's just it's just tribe building. It's back to that again. You Indeed. Know? It's like, what do you love? Okay, if if I also love what it is that you love, maybe you'll love us back. And, and you, you know, you, and you pass a, it's one of those paying it forward things too. Indeed. You, know, you hope that it's true. You you're you're a visionary and you're brilliant. Tony Ford or L Street News, you reviewed the book, so you want to start a brewery. Tell us a few more notes well, about yeah, it. Yeah, but also what I, on that vein, uh, what I appreciate about Lagunitas, I recruit American beers for the Mondial de la Beer Festivals, which, you know, Global and France and, and uh, Brazil coming up. And um, these guys have always been supportive. I mean, they send beers you know for the global tribe you know it's 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 fantastic um but what i would say is i do have one little passage here which crystallizes the tribal thing i think from tony's book as he says that's tony the trust in our product feels like a very nearly sacred responsibility to me there is more than just a flavor and a buzz in brewing building a beer brand is like building an invisible heat on Beautiful. I, that's not hard on and then, hedon, like hedonistic. Hedonistic, but thank you. And th- th- let me keep going. And I know that everyone wanted to talk about the St. Patrick's Massacre and the marijuana bus, but I want to talk – I really do like this book, and it is – one reason you're here is to talk about the book. 
you were talking about in the old days, you had a lot of volunteers come, yeah. and they would fill bottles. Yeah. And you said yeah. they're, 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 they would take the short-filled bottles home. So tell us about that, because there's all these great anecdotes about growing a brewery and, and learning from it, and I, I really do like your book. Well, I mean, I, when I, I, I have no background for having started a business. There's no reason why it should have happened, but it did happen. And so when we realized that we really wanted to start making a bottle product or the Lagunitas labeled product that we had been doing a lot of uh, private label beer up until that time for individual bars and restaurants and stuff and sort of the tourist heavy uh, part of the state that we're in there. So uh, uh, when it came time to start bottling, I needed people, but I had no idea how to hire people. Uh, how to do a? How, I mean, we didn't didn't we didn't have software for doing you know payroll yet. I mean, it was none of those things existed. So, and I found this group of Petaluma kids who you know kids. I said they were you know they were twenty one, but they were like on skateboards and they weren't like they didn't have like clear you know career trajectories. And they came and hung out with us, and and, and they they came and hung out with us, and they come in and they bottle during the day. I'd buy everybody lunch, and we still buy lunch for every the whole brewery on Fridays as sort of a token of that time. And, <laughs> That's um, great. And, they, they, and, and at the end of the day, they take home the short-filled bottles as additional compensation. And, and it probably isn't exactly legal, but it had, a, it had a tribal feel about it, you know. And surprisingly, people became loyal. They found an identity with us that they hadn't really found in their lives before that. And to them, it just felt great. It seemed like the right thing to be doing. And I figured if something just feels that good, there has to be the right thing to be doing. Word. Did you ever notice that people were purposely short-filling bottles? Eventually. <laughs> yes, that was... Joe, did you read the book? Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, that, you know, and I'm that, just putting myself in that position. Uh, there you go. What would you do? Hey. <laughs> what would I do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So eventually we realized that the short-fill counts were going up and up and up. And and then one time I walked out and I saw the guy who's running the filler go, oh, look at that one go! And boom, foam going everywhere and there are six brand-new short-fills born. You know, so. <laughs> okay, jumping on. So... Uh, Mark and Tony, we've been drinking the little something, something. But on draft now at Jimmy's number forty three, I have the the little something wild. So what's that? How is that different from this? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the the really primary difference is uh, the uh, the yeast strain that we use, which is the Westmall yeast strain in that beer, uh, which uh, you know gives you a whole bunch of esters you wouldn't normally have. It's like eight eight point nine percent, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I think Not a little small. higher this year. Yeah, it's a little higher gravity, a little higher, about twenty percent higher gravity beer than the original one. And, so, what, what of this series is it? How did this series start? There's like wild something, little something. Well, it's always a suggestive. It's like there's a chick on the yeah. label. It's not a dog. It's a chick. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, 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 I'm a fan of that, by the way. I'm and, a fan. And my, 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 there are dogs my, too, right? My, my personal view of her, she's like probably like North Texas. She's a housewife, freshly divorced. Kids are all gone, and she's just thinking she wants to party. And that's the hot pants. And <laughs> Nice. She wants a guy. All the guys named Tony in the room are dogs. She's, so. just, she's just right. So, the, that's the, so that's the beer. The beer's a little something, something, but it's not. It's not a beer for the faint of heart, and you know, neither is she. So, that's, but the, was that the first one in that? Yeah, vein? yeah, and and little something, something. The, the the expression, you know, it's popular. You know, uh, culture is out there. But the, where we first encountered it was maybe ten or twelve years ago at the at these uh, three day beer fests that we do up in the mountains. Not beer fests, uh, music events. And eventually, like the guys who were doing the beer, which would be my guys, always had to like get up at two o'clock in the morning 
morning to restock for the 2 a.m. stage, and there's the 4 a.m. stage. And sometimes the 2 a.m. stage setup took a little something-something to get you going. <laughs> but so. then, so, so how did that go from, there's other beers in the series, right? There's a the little something wild. That, don't, you know, it's just. Like, what are the, tell us the whole, the whole gamut. Come well, on, Mark, it, jump in. It, it was never supposed to be a series, was it? I mean, it was I just, know, Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it started out with, I mean, Little Something Something was a seasonal at first, right? And yeah. even before that, it was really off that big hoppy wheat wine that That's we right. originally made. So That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those beers that kind of grew legs, and yep. you know, and it kind of took us in a lot of different directions. I would it, say. It, I mean, it had I a know. it had a story that continued to play out. You basically. know, you know, once we found that, yeah, exactly right, exactly. Once we found that little thing that was that beer, which is very unexpected, how it worked. I mean, you know, some things you expect to happen a certain way, some things bring you more than you expected, and that was one of them. The brought more, and so it's like, well, what else can we make? What other tricks can we make that do? And huh. So what happens if we add this Belgian yeast strain to it? What happens if we just do a bigger version of the same beer? And they're not, they're related, but they don't taste the same, not even close. Absolutely. You know? So those different expressions, you know, just really... So just as like, as like a new. brewer and stuff, so, so how'd you go, I mean, I'm getting a little, you know, technical, but so a little something something is how much how much percentage six something uh, seven and a half percent. Okay, so how did you, how how does adding the Orval yeast make that little something wild at eight point nine percent? Well, it's the Westmall yeast, but it's also Westmall, uh, sorry. it's also brewed to a higher gravity, so it's yeah. it's it's just a bigger beer to begin with. But, and and, and, malt, the, and the yeast malt. goes drier. You know, it takes it down further, so it ferments more of those sugars. A little more hi- highly attenuated, but uh, yeah. And I mean, again, like I said, that those esters from that that yeast strain are really uh, really kind of interesting, yeah. and add a lot of flavors. I think a lot of like really bright fruit flavors you wouldn't normally get from just a regular little something something. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you, sometimes, sometimes flavors in beer they lay against each other, and there's something about these these very tan- transparent hops and the esters that come out of the uh, the, 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 the the Belgian yeast that they sort of interleaved in a way that was very unexpected and, and beautiful. And so, that's nice. We're going to wrap up soon, but let's. Anyone who wants to ask a question of Tony, it's a good time to do it. So, Jimmy Ludwig. Hey, man, I just want to continue on the tribal thing. I want to ask a little bit. You've kind of uh, doubled the size of your tribe in the last couple of years because you've opened a big expansion in Chicago. And I know that you're from Chicago originally. Can you talk a little bit about coming home? Well, it's been great. I mean, one of the reasons for doing Chicago was that I, I had a feeling that I, I knew enough about the city to do it. If I came to New York to build another brewery, it would take me a year just to really learn the landscape, right. let alone kind of the culture and understand who's who and what matters. And you knew how, where how to go. Ch- it's Chicago, I just I, I, I had a big big head start, mm-hmm. and, and so I felt like I could get lucky, and I did. And how's it going? Oh, it's it's crazy good. I mean, it's crazy good how things are going in Chicago. So now all, all the beers that we're drinking in New York? Are yes. they made in Chicago They're, now? Yep, everything east of uh, Denver is made uh, made it made in Chicago. We are so it's, glad that you guys are there, man. Yeah. We are so freaking glad. It's great. <laughs> well, it's it's great to be making the beer fresher, getting the diesel out of it that you drink. You know, it's like awesome. Tony yeah, Ford. Uh, yeah, you want to say something, Tony, about the uh, evolution of the labels? Is, is the chapter in your book, and are you still doing them? Oh, I still do. Yeah, I, I still design the labels. Um, um, uh, sometimes the updates are done by somebody else in the brewery now, but uh, I'm always doing the the, the the primary label stuff. And and it's not because I'm a great designer, but it's because uh, I had to do it in the early days because we didn't have enough money. But now it's like, well, that's part of our voice, and so it's important that uh, I think yeah, you're, in some the, ways you're the that, message, uh, dude. Right? Well, I'm, at least, at least I'm, I'm, the, I'm the nucleation point you know for for all of it and then then things come from there you know but huh. at least i started and and you know it's like if you look at a blank canvas where you, you know it's 10 feet by 10 feet of white where the heck do you put that first brush stroke doesn't matter if you know what you're going to paint or not where do you start and so because i'm the place where it starts it is a recognizable voice and i think that people understand us hmm. you sound like yeah. a good friend of mine chris kuzma who's also a musician right and people a brewer off of that he yeah. talks the same way as you man you're fucking genius joe carroll any questions for tony muggy 
Well, I know you know I, everything. So. He does. He does know I, everything. What I want to know is how how much Tony are you still involved with coming up with recipes and and, and the the new brews? Up until about four or five years ago, I wrote all the recipes from from you know from a blank sheet, uh, and and uh, but in doing so, uh, developed a vocabulary of flavors, much the way like you listen to the Rolling Stones from the first downbeat, you always know if it's the Stones playing, and so there's a vocabulary of things that they will do and won't do that that define. So the same thing was true uh, became true for us. Now Jeremy Marshall, my head, my who was my head brewer uh, just last year, he, I, I just you know anointed him brewmaster. And uh, he, but he's been writing the recipes for a stretch. In fact, he wrote little something, something, little something, something. I art directed with him. I was like, Jeremy, I'd like to do this. I'd like it to be this way. Let's talk about it. Sketch it out. Then talk about it again. And but but this, I, I'd say it's his recipe in the end. But since then, sucks and hop stupid and you know all of the yeah, fusion like beers and so, so so really he's he's the source of that now. But the thing is, he's like he he he. he um, he, he came right out of school to work for the brewery, so our vocabulary, our the music, you know, right. the notes, the, right. the things we would play, we wouldn't play, um, that, that's what he came up with. And so it's in his blood, and he really he gets it, and he takes it places. He, Jeremy goes places with recipes I, I wouldn't have thought to do. So, awesome. you know, Last better. question. So Mark Slurgeon, you're going to ask from your, your tribal leader, Tony McGee, what's the question you want to ask him that you never would ask well, him? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm Don't gonna... ask about that one thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? And you know why. So, All right. Okay. Fine. Well, you know what? I'm going to put you on the spot instead. Uh, it, one of the things I really love about this brewery is that there's no beer that really has ever died. You know, I mean, things have kind of slipped away and kind of come back. Can we bring back Sirius, man? I miss that beer. You know, What's Sirius? What's that? Oh, Sirius was all, was all built around one particular hop that it never was the same as it was in its first year. And, and, huh. and we made the beer again the second year, and it was kind of like, all right, Sirius, and put it up to our lips, and it's like, Oh my God! This is serious. You know, I mean, it was like the, it was, and then we we and the beer just didn't do very well because the flavor was wrong. It didn't have this this particular juicy fruit quality to it that the the first year had, and then we did it the set, the third year, and it really just died a bad death. So two last questions, Maximus. I love that beer. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, and, and Maximus, we Maximus. So Marin Brewing Company, one of my. So we we they, we they did a, a double IPA like back in nineteen ninety six. You know, and I was like. You know, I was like, just uh, just didn't want to let them just have it. Then it was sort of we were friends up and down the street, and so was, we did the Maximus. We took the IPA and uh, recipe. We just took it up by thirty percent. And mm-hmm. a lot of people claim credit for inventing or having pioneered this or that, but Maximus has been you know on the landscape. Since and you know, when I first opened in two thousand five, the beer I always identified with you was the censored copper ale. Oh yeah, yeah. Copper. Do you remember that beer? Oh yeah, yeah. I, we still always still make censored, you know. I mean, it doesn't. Amber ales are, are, are interesting things, and, and they, they really, you know, when, they, when they're sexy now, they're more like an imperial red. Uh, but but everything was amber ale back then, and so so we made one of those. I've always liked that beer. It's just a nice. I, I like drinking them warm, uh, hmm. you know, I, 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 just because it tastes like cocoa almost. Yeah, know? malt. Well, comes one, out. one of my yeah. favorite things about that beer, even though uh, you know we got ultimately the kibosh got put on chronic. Yeah. Uh, if you cover up the first half of the barcode, the last half is zero zero four twenty. Wow! <laughs> yeah, whenever we report our volumes and stuff to the government, to the industry, it's always got four twenty buried in there somewhere. <laughs> you guys are pretty awesome. Well, again, everyone, check it out. So you want to start a brew? You like Hunter S. Thompson? You like stories of of struggling businessmen who who almost and should have failed? Instead, he's he's like doing great. So cheers to you, Tony. Well, thank you, to you, and I appreciate you. you. You flew out. I know he, Tony flew out to come on the show. 
And this is probably one of my favorite shows of the year. So, and I'm back on a plane tonight at 8:30, going back to San Francisco. You're oh awesome. my god! I, but I wouldn't have missed this. So, thanks for inviting us. <laughs> thank and, you for being here. And we here, could man. do another hour, but we can't. So, all right. I'd like to thank everybody who's been on the show tonight. Um, thank our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com, have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Tony, Jimmy, my other Jimmy, hey. Joe, Mark, and Tony Forder for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, executive producer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yes, indeed. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.